Hello and welcome to a belated episode 256 of the Ram Nintendo Podcast. I am Jason. I'm Angel. I'm Kevin opening up a beer because, oh, this is going to be a discussion for, for the ages. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's an up, and it's a, it's a discussion that has balls, dodge balls, yep, this bombs, throw like balls, balls, so many balls. balls, all the balls. Actually, those are the only balls, to be honest. But we're calling no, this episode blue, have a there's ball. blue balls. Sonic, yep, there are, definitely are there? is blue balls. Yep, the the internet Not was good. was uh, well, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. I see. I see the connection now. Okay. Yeah. So if you want to know what that means, stay tuned later in the episode. But along with that. We're calling it Have a Ball because we have uh, Impressions of Knockout City, uh, the dodgeball game. We have, uh, you know, now that's actually out in a proper form, opposed to a beta that we talked about, I don't know, six, eight weeks ago. Uh, we have Barman R online, Impressions of that, plus the E3 Bombs news cycle starting. like a ball every now and then. Exactly, and he throws them like a ball. If you does have he, does power he, throw, he, like, don't, don't some characters, power like, up, you can pick it up and throw like, it. underhand them? Yeah, some do bowling alley it, or yeah. bowl it, I guess you could say, yeah. But along with that, we also have uh, the the news cycles kicking up for E three. It's a couple, you know, it's like a week away. So we have some uh, presentations around Sonic and Dragon Quest. We'll be talking about, um, and then we have the thing that you guys are alluding to, the Switch Pro, the supposed announcement. Will it happen? Will it not? The event of the season is not even if it happens. It's just this frenzy around it potentially happening. Plus, that's the second plus now. A plus on top of plus. Plus, we've got April MPD numbers and hints of a new WarioWare and a new Brain Age. So. Pretty meaty show, full of balls. Uh, there's timestamps available for every topic over on the blog post at randomtown.com or under this video if you are on YouTube. We call it a video. It's really just a stack image with sound, but you know what we mean. Um, but yeah, I guess um, how's how's everyone doing? How's how's that beer, Kevin? Uh, it's not great. It's not terrible. It's uh, my first time trying it. It's Estrella Jalisco. Uh, it's a... Mexican imported beer. Nothing special. It, it looks like a Corona. It look, what, what else looks like a Corona? It's like Corona, Modelo. I, I, like Modelo, Modelo is, it kind of has like a fatter, a fatter bottle that it comes in. This is just like a standard bottle. It's all right. Mm. That's my lab oh, review. There you have it, guys. Thanks for tuning in oh. on episode 256. <laughs> but, Andrew, how about you? What are you drinking? Um, Crystal Geyser. Probably like a... Number two worst waters, water bottled waters ever in the entire history of mankind. Um, number one so wow, far. Entire history. Entire Arrowhead history. Arrowhead without, without. Yeah, Arrowhead is an easy number one. I don't really want to go and see if there is anything worse, but you know, sometimes you just drink what you have, and I think Sony kind of sucks. It's okay feel about that one. Yeah, that, that I guess because I don't really feel one way or the other about that one. I guess. It's definitely more on the worst side. Right. I will. I will say you have refined my water palate, Angel. Because a few years ago at Comic Con, I pr- I was this, to kill us. Us. this is the funniest. You straight story. up tried to kill us. I I tried to like, kill you us. Know what? I'm gonna be nice, and I'm gonna get just a huge like a couple packs of water, and just because we had two hotel rooms, so I'm like I'm gonna get everyone some water. We have like 48 bottles of water. Water will be great. It's no big deal. So I show up, pull down my trunk, plop it down, and collectively everyone's like. What is wrong with you? Because it was Arrowhead, and I didn't know this. You didn't know that Arrowhead, Arrowhead tasted. I didn't. Like, he thought all water bottles I came equal. <laughs> I thought all water was equal. I don't see brand, um, so Jesus I was just like, Christ. "Hey, it's water." 
but the the ridiculous thing is they were so against it, like everyone in the group, which is like you know six people or something. I ended up having all the water myself. No one drank it. People were dehydrated. They're coming back late from parties at three a.m. Yeah, like, there was a day when the they were, and they'd be like, "Nope." Yeah, like, they were like, dying. Yeah, they were pretty hungover, and yeah, and and I remember like that yeah. day, like three of like the six people like didn't even really make it out of the room until like later that day. And then I remember just thinking, like, well, I have water. And we're like, no, no, like, we're, we're going to either just not get water or, you know, like, wait for one of them to, like, venture out and get, like, Gatorade for them. You guys went without water and were dehydrated and hungover for, like, a good chunk of the day until finally someone picked up, like, three bottles of aqua. An ultimate testament of how terrible it. Arrowhead is. The fact that people Apparently would rather so. suffer through hangovers than drink <laughs> Arrowhead. Arrow- but if now anybody, since then – If I, anybody's out there that actually likes Arrowhead – Please, please, uh, tell us on Twitter because I, I, I want to speak. I want to know who you are because I, I legitimately don't know if there's anybody out there that does like Arrowhead. Like, I was like the taste. Of, I didn't of, like of, it. Of Arrowhead. Yeah, yeah, it's um. But now I'm very. Ref- I have a very refined water palette. Arrowhead is a no go. Crystal guys are why I don't know. But like Dasania, it tastes like tap. Like I, I can distinguish now, and I'm very proud of that. And you know you get what you pay for. So Fiji Smart Water, those are a little higher class. Uh, I, um, I I do like uh, Smart Water. My go-to is Aquafina. I, there, there's something about Aquafina that I just love. Aquafina is pretty good. It's like crisp. Yeah. The, yeah, maybe. I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it you know what else is for good? Sure. But yeah. You know what else is good? Watch this transition. Knockout City. <laughs> but yeah, that's a pretty fun game, right? And this is the if you guys want to hear more about water, you listeners out there. We can pick this up in random Nintendo, the new name for Quarantine Chronicles, next weekend. But hey, right now, we got games. Um, so yeah, Knockout Say it's been out a few weeks. Um, I did beta impressions uh, back in early, mid-April. And in, at that point, I was kind of like, hey, this has potential to be really cool. It has some Splatoon-ishness, some Arms-ishness, a little Mario Kart thrown in, but it's all dodgeball. And now we have Angel here, who's actually been playing it with me and some other friends every Wednesday. And I'm kind of curious, Angel, the game's out. I gave my kind of first pass at it, no pun intended, but how how do you feel about it? Because I feel like you've been all over the map with it, from not interested to interested to, like, where where have you landed on it? About the same where I started. Um, yeah, about the same where I started. The main difference is that um, it feels like a game that's easy enough to power through and make yourself play with a good group of friends. Because with a good group of friends, any game is a blast. And this game is no different in that sense. It's not. It doesn't. That's um, not necessarily true. Ooh, Did actually, you play Operation Raccoon City? No, Operation and I'm afraid what? to find out what these games are. The night even Operation, friends can save it. That game what? was terrible. Operation Raccoon City, Resident Evil. I thought that was a Resident Evil game. Oh, Raccoon City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I thought you said record. I see. No. Oh, that's unfortunate to find out. That, that game. That game was terrible. Four of us bought that game on launch. And we got through the first three chapters, and we're like, "Oh, this is this is garbage." Oh no, <laughs> that sucks. Oh, that's a shame. Two hundred and forty dollars down the drain. Jeez, and Capcom's laughing all the way to the bank. Mm-hmm. Well, but yeah, Angel. So, um, so you're saying? Yeah. So, I mean, so like, just like ignoring that aside, and just like, um, like I'm, I'm definitely not saying it's a terrible game. Like, I, I think it's a game that has like plenty of potential. I just think I have to still play it a lot more before I'll really be like, 
I really like this game. Because I think right now, I'm just, I feel more like, yeah, I could see myself playing this game more. But I haven't, I'm not really loving it yet. Um, There's some, like, minor issues with the mechanics that I have that feel, like, you know, part of it is just I just need to play it more so that I can either accept or really come to grips with, like, why things are the way they are. But, um, like, for instance, I feel like the, I guess the way that, I guess the catch system works, like, in theory, like, it sounds really awesome, you know, like, you, you click a button to try to catch the ball, it's kind of on a timer, but in practice, it doesn't feel that way, and I know there's other games, and specifically fighting games, where like essentially you're trying to I mean half the time, you know, you don't want to just throw a ball at someone willy nilly because they could catch the ball and turn throw it back at you and hit you. But you I feel like just like from my experience playing this game and trying different things at different people, it almost feels like half the time it doesn't matter when you throw it, if your opponent is just kind of spamming the, the catch the catch button the catch button. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it just it almost feels like it takes more effort to try to. I don't know, it, it doesn't feel that part doesn't feel balanced out, but that also feels like something that could easily be tweaked with like you know just some minor adjustment, just like literally like Splatoon or any other game of this type that has some kind of right. I guess a counter mechanic, but I mean that's that, that's probably and honestly that's probably like my most egregious one where like that part of it just doesn't feel balanced out and it kind of takes away from it because it almost kind of discourages from. I guess certain. Actually, you know, I, I take that back a little. Like it, it does discourage some type of aggressive gameplay, which would make it fun. But at the end of the day, it is a team-based thing, and you could really tell they were trying really hard to, you know, like push that through. And I and I think they did do a good job at like presenting this like team-based. I don't know. I guess like platoon-like kind Dog. of game. Yeah, yes, like to, to back it up for a split second. To back up for a split second, just for folks who didn't hear my beta impression. So what we're what Knockout City is, if you guys haven't seen it, anyone listening, is basically three on three or four on four if you're doing a private match. Uh, dodgeball in kind of a neo futuristic West Side Story style New York ish city. Um, and the idea is you're these squads of dodgeball players, and the balls can be. Regular balls, they could be special balls. Each time you start a new match, it's a different special ball. It could be like a moon ball that affects gravity, a uh, bomb ball that blows up, a you know, I can't remember, a cage ball that traps you, and, and you, you could be picked up by opponent thrown. But yeah, to Angel's point, there's this whole mechanic where you could catch the ball and throw it back. And that catch mechanic is kind of, I, I agree, Angel, it's probably the weakest link of it. But there is a lot of stuff they're trying to do with the team stuff. Oh, yeah. To, get into, to try and yeah. encourage team play and strategy beyond just like a Mario Kart, like hit A and steer type of approach to the game. Which yeah. I think you're and, and the on. only reason yeah. like I'm really like harping on that aspect is because I know like there's been plenty of times where like I'll try to take advantage of the fact that you can also fake throw, which is pretty cool. It's like, oh, like you could fake throw. And mm-hmm. I was able to get my friends a few times with that. But usually those friends like will maybe do the catch once, see that I fake throw, and then just kind of try to run away or do something else. But there are other times where, like, they'll, you know, they'll just keep spamming it, and I'll even try to time it. It's like, all right, they're about to catch, and then I'll wait, and then I'll throw it, and then I'll even look, like, 
they should have gotten a hit, but then they don't. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Th- something about it just feels off. Like, I'll just say it feels off. It's but, version you know, one. It's very clearly version one. Yeah. Yeah. But, but there is I mean, a besi- lot. Um, but, yeah, but besides that, like, um, I mean, there's plenty of other techniques that, like, just like, kind of balance out the whole thing. Like, you know, like you have a tackle that you can interrupt someone from, you know, like throwing their ball if they're if they have it. You can literally tackle them, jump up into the air, catch the ball that they had, and throw it at them. Or in some instances, you can even like tackle the ball itself, especially if it might it was probably about to hit someone else, which would be really cool. And probably one of the cooler ones is just the fact that um, this is like something that like my brother like I guess I like, told us about. But essentially, like you know, in the beginning of the game, you could even do crazy like techniques, like lob someone up into the air right as the match starts, and immediately lob someone else into the air, because the first person should be like in their hang glider mode by the time they reach the apex of the throw. And as the other person that got thrown up is nearing them, they turn into a ball so that the other person catches it. And, you know, then you could just, like, death from above, just, like, throw at a target down below. Or, apparently, you can even take that one step further, and you could have another set of two people throw people further up into the air, which I have not seen done, but I really want to see what that looks like, because that sounds crazy. But, you know, that's one of the more advanced things, like, one of the more practical things that you're going to be doing more often is just passing the ball to each other, which is definitely, like, it's definitely understated how good that is. Like, I feel like you don't really see the benefits of it until, you know, you just do it. Because in the beginning, most people just want to charge up the ball, run at someone, and, you know, just kind of have your little 1v1s. Or on occasion, your 2v1s. But at the end of the day, they're just throwing the ball at the lone person at the same time, which, you know, most of the time will get you a hit. But... It really does seem like if you want to, you know, do well in this game, you want to be constantly passing the ball back and forth between you and your teammates so that you can get the charge level up so high that when the ball, that the ball will just travel, you know, just so ridiculously fast that they can't even really time it. And yeah, they might still catch it and it might still happen often, but at least this way you severely reduce the odds of it. And yeah, that's, that's a pretty cool thing. Just keeping that going and you know especially that, because your teammates could turn into a ball themselves and you could do that with them that's kind and of not to mention it's a sword or go ahead go ahead and, and not to mention that getting hit with a ball that is a person whether it's your teammate or your opponent you know that's an instant ko because it's two hits and you're out basically but yeah and, and that's kind of the double-edged sword with with a knockout stage you're talking about all these techniques that you can kind of learn as you go and I guess it's the problem of any game like this where they want you to jump in really quickly. So they have a tutorial where they teach you the basics. You know, you can do a double jump depending on which way you do a double jump. The ball throws a different way, that sort of thing. And then, or or you can pass, or you know, everything you've been saying, Angel. Um, and then they just have you go in. But there's this whole other deeper layer which I guess you could figure out on your own. But the game, because there's not a single player component, because it's not like Splatoon where they have you go through a campaign and kind of learn the deeper mechanics, unless you decide, oh, I'm going to actually go back to the tutorial and realize there are two or three more sets of tutorials, uh, you kind of do miss out on this deeper this deeper strategy. Because I think one one thing Knockout City does surprisingly well, and I felt this way with the beta, and I was hoping it would turn true, and I think it did, is it actually has a good amount of depth. Like there's, you know, these sort of arena-based multiplayer online, whatever you want to call them, games are like a dime a dozen now, and what makes or breaks some is if there's sort of meat on the bone, you know? Like, they could just have, yeah, you throw a dodgeball and you catch it, and that's it, and that could be boring, and that, I think, 
when we very first tried it with our group of friends, they were kind of like, this is it. But then we started to learn about the overcharge, which is what Angel was talking about, where if you pass it back and forth, it gets more powerful and faster. And we learned and, and we found a mode you can do where um, you're only able to throw your teammates at people. So it's a good way of train coordinating, uh, I guess, ball handling of your teammate. Bad phrasing. Really bad phrasing, but you get what I mean. Um, and, you know, kind of learn that mechanic and then go and apply that in matches. And it's like there's a lot of stuff sort of tucked away in Knockout City. And I think on some level to its detriment, it's it, you have to dig for it. But on the flip side, the game does have over 5 million players. So clearly it's resonating at some basic level. But there is – what I noticed with our group of friends is there's the initial, okay, yeah, this is fun, but I'm not going to pay for it. And then that's followed up if you start digging a little deeper with, okay, actually there's a fair amount here. They just need to do some nips and tucks of some other mechanics, and this could be really solid. And it's that crossing that bridge that I think is going to be where the game might run into some issues, for some people at least, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And but I think to, um, or go ahead. I don't know. Well, just now you brought a pretty good point. Like I do I, – like I said, like this game feels like it has a lot of potential, and it almost does feel like – if it did have some kind of single player component, because you know, mm-hmm. like at the end of the day, I don't play at least nowadays. I don't play Mario Kart or Splatoon single player, if at all. I mean, I did go back for the DLC last year, but that's just because of our like resurgence of Splatoon that I just needed more Splatoon. But I feel those modes really, really, really helped. Because even for Mario Kart, I definitely spent a good amount of time playing single player before I ever like jumped online or started playing multiplayer because it's just fun to do the the campaign and well i guess the the cups and try to get like first place in all of them right and yeah i feel like if this one like you know has some i don't know just something that just kept you you know i guess it's like practicing against computers or something i think that'd be pretty and it, cool it, it does seem like ea and the developers at uh valen valen whatever studios um it does seem like they started to realize they need something like that because originally the game was a 10-day trial for everyone and then 20 buck flat rate after that. Now you can still pay 20 bucks to get you know the custom battles and some other stuff and basically a battle pass. And it is a one-time fee. There's no, from my understanding, in-app purchase or anything. Once you make that purchase, you have the whole game accessible. You can unlock everything, get all the seasons, etc. But what they did is they switched the 10 days. Once the 10 days were up, they said, okay, forever. You can get a street rank up to level 25, which is basically the competitive play rank. And play with your friends who may or may not own the game up to level 25. So they were like, well, we don't have single player, but if you have a friend that wants to like hold your hand and play through it with you or co-op or teach you, we think you'll like it enough by level 25 to pull the, the trigger and just, you know, at that point you'll discover deeper mechanics. So it does seem like really fast within the first few days of launch, they already kind of came Except to the realization really? we're having. Did, did, didn't we like, can you still like, you can do street rank. Friends? So you can do street rank with your friends in the competitive mode. The problem is there's too many oh. of us to play online. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, that was the thing. Yeah, all so right. you can do that. And it's basically their version of all right. You're playing. You're not playing against the computer. You're not playing against bots. There's no story, but you have kind of a companion to teach you the ropes. And you know they calculate this out exactly how many levels until you get to the point where they think they could get some money out of you and how you know what's the tipping point. And I guess those first ten days, they sort of formulated that. Um, but yes, yeah, so that's kind of them moving the direction of, I think, what both you and I are saying, where they're like, all right, well, someone that knows the game, we, cause I think at the end of 10 days, they're at 2 million players. So like, all right, there are 2 million people out there that know the game. How do we get them to show their friends it's worth checking out? Let's just have them become a better version of our kind of whatever tutorial. And it kind and again, it kind of worked up to 5 million now, but, um, 
you know, it, it's it's interesting. It's definitely a different payment strategy than we've seen a lot of games do. I personally think it's actually kind of nice. Like it's, I, I'm in favor. I mean, of if a they're one trying to make payment. it last a long time, though, like I feel like most of these battle passes aren't they usually twenty bucks? And this game is thirty bucks total. No, no, this game's twenty bucks total. Thirty if you get the deluxe with some extra cosmetics. Oof, stuff. So it's twenty. So it's pretty much the cost of one season pass on average. But I think the difference. So I'm kind of wondering. No, hmm, a season pass how sustainable is, is usually ten dollars. Oh, okay, they usually ten dollars. Ten dollars, yeah. Yeah, so right now oh, okay. what they're basically doing is – and the seasons I think are – I actually don't remember how long they are in uh, Knockout City. But I think they're they're doing something a little different in that they're – yeah, I don't know how it's going to pan out. But they're basically straddling the line between a traditional free-to-play and a traditional premium game. And it will be interesting to see three, four, or five months from now, one, if the player base is still there. And two, um, if they're making enough money off this game that they can – you know, because like Splatoon – they do this thing where they roll out new modes and roll out new maps, and, and Knockout City definitely borrows from that. Like, the, it has really good, in its weird West Side Story way, like, world building. The characters look funky, but the world building's cool. Like, they have these kind of cool levels, and they're introducing new modes. They have one called, like, Diamond Dash, where you have to collect diamonds when people die after being hit by the dodgeball, opposed to just getting a kill count. You have to actually go and pick up diamonds from their corpse. Uh, but it's, you know, so they can easily add new modes, like Splatoon did, but Splatoon was a $60 purchase. And Nintendo probably underdeveloped it at launch, and they sort of caught back up to a sixty dollars price. Here, you're getting the content that's probably worth about twenty bucks, arguably. But then, what's paying for that additional content? So, yeah, it's it's Angel Chief to what you were saying. It is going to be interesting, you know, if it's the equivalent of two battle passes. What happens three, four, five, six battle passes from now? Like, it's are they going to be putting as much energy into the game, or is it going to become stagnant? And that's Again, one of those things that's like it's a different approach. It's kind of hard to say that the base game's good, the deeper mechanics are there, but there's so much just like up in the air about what can it turn into because it is kind of carving a new path for itself. So unless there's other games that do this, but I can't think of any at all that are quite this approach. But yeah, I don't know, um, but it'll be interesting to see where the trying to think. I really don't think there are any, mm, but they can think of any. The the game does though. The more we've been playing it, Angel, I don't know if you got this vibe. It does kind of remind me of Arms a little, of all things. In that, like, they really went all in on that world, and then they have a mechanic that ultimately is really simple. And then they try and augment it with some other stuff. I'd say maybe it succeeds a little better at augmenting it than Arms did. But um, yeah, it, it, I got some serious Arms. I mean, also, really, the game is Arms in the sense that you're doing long distance punching. That's pretty much it. Like arms, would you just extend your arm really far and hit someone? Yep. This is just throw a ball really arms, far yeah. and hit someone. Yeah, it's it's basically the same. It's just this feels like a slightly better. I want to say execution because arms production wise was definitely probably higher quality, but you know it was Nintendo. But um, in terms of just like the value for dollar, the, the yum to buck ratio of this, the play to buck ratio, I feel like this is probably more what arms could have been should have been i don't know and it already has you know double the players of arms so so we'll see but really? yeah it's yeah. a very interesting game it's 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 definitely it feels very at home on switch to me yeah like it definitely it's, feels like it belongs like you know it just feels like a nintendo game for sure yeah yeah and it hopefully you know more people check it out and there is enough of a player base that ea can get creative with how they do stuff and who knows maybe they're gonna do dlc packs down the line and that's how they monetize it 
like it's a, it's they're kind of again they're forging their own path so it'll be interesting but it is i'd say it's worth checking out it's basically it's now free indefinitely at least to start and they could worry about it at level 25 which you know like if you play seriously it's like five six hours in maybe um so yeah, anything, anything else you want to say about Knockout City Angel, or should I talk about the other game that I've been playing? Uh, not really. I think that says everything I've ever wanted to say about that game. Ever? Wow. They okay. Have some new modes. I don't know. Okay. Maybe well, so some that's Knockout. Random promotions or crossover costumes or something. Yeah, you know, am I crazy that I'm getting tired of those? <laughs> like, just in general, because, like, so Super Bomberman R Online was the other game that we were going to share impressions of, and I'll get to it in a sec. But, like, one of the things they're doing is they have all the Konami character crossovers, which is fine. That was in the original Barman R. But they randomly have the Fall Guy guy, like the bean person. And I was like, why is this here? And I feel like, you know, mm, Shovel Knight's in every game. kind of random. And, like, I, and it's, it's, there's nothing wrong with, like, rewarding fans. But I feel like if every game is crossing over with every other game all the time, it kind of loses its spark. You know, Maybe yeah, I'm I can see that. It, but, the, I, yeah. the, I mean, well, the, honestly, when I said that, the literally the thing that I was on my mind mm-hmm. was, um, I guess, not surprisingly, Fall Guys, or I guess since you did just mention that, but specifically when Fall Guys crossover with Godzilla, because that you know it's right. necessarily a game, and it just kind of came out of nowhere, and it was like, wait, what? I like Godzilla. Why? Why is that crossing over with anything? Like, it's not really doing anything right now. But and I'm yeah. There is I'm okay a... with them if they're in brand. Like we're gonna talk later about Sonic and how they're sticking Sonic in random games, but they're all Sega, so there's some like logic there. But I do not understand what the Fall Guy is doing in Barman. What's the connection? I really I don't know. Like why is he there? <laughs> so yeah, or like Godzilla. To your point, like I don't know what they're doing there. But anyway, that's a bit of a tangent. Appreciate but it, good. but yeah, it is weird. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like it's not like a not like for fans, it's cool. But I'm just like who. Why? <laughs> like, what is this for? But anyway, yeah, so the game I've been playing besides Knockout City with you um, is Super Bomberman R Online. Uh, we talked a bit about the game when it was first announced, but to catch anyone up who um, doesn't know, this is a spinoff of sorts of Super Bomberman R, which was a Switch launch title. It's the same engine, same mechanics, same love of crossover characters as we were just talking about, although they keep it in Konami's wheelhouse. Uh, where it differs is that this is a free-to-play game and it's a battle royale game. And I have to say, the, the number one takeaway I can tell you guys is it has some pretty good menu music, which I realize may sound like a strange place to start impressions, but honestly, I think I spent the most time hearing that music over anything else in the game because the load times on this thing are just atrocious. I mean, starting a match has you going through three separate loading screens that take, for real, like multiple minutes... Uh, and an ang insult to injury once you do go through is if you die, you get dumped back to the main menu screen. There's no rematch option or way to just keep going with the character you selected. You get to go through all the screens again. And it adds enough unnecessary friction to the whole experience that uh, it's actually to a point where I kept thinking, like, should I do one more? And I'm like, no, because I have to sit here for three minutes just to get to one more. Like, it literally it takes away from the one thing a free-to-play game needs most, which is the hook to get you to keep going over and over. And it frankly kind of sucks because the game itself is a lot of fun and does a pretty unique job of sort of mixing and matching the tropes of other Battle Royale games. So I kind of wish it didn't have this loading problem because underneath the hood, like, it's cool. Like, when you first start it up, it does feel a lot like, you know, Tetris 99 or Pac-Man 99 or I guess Mario 35, uh, may it rest in peace, um, in that you, you know, you have your main grid. Pac-Man 99? Yeah. Pac-Man 99. That died already? 
No, 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 no. Mario 35 died already. I said Mario 35 too. Oh, I'm on like, I, oh, no, I heard the rest of the No, 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 no. Did um, you get your pack one yet? No, pack two is the highest I've gotten. Oh. I know. Want, want. But, um, yeah, so with, with Bomberman here, you have, it is similar to those when you start up in that you have your kind of main battlefield grid that you're on. Uh, in the center of the screen, surrounded by a bunch of like small to the point of not even useful maps of the other grids your opponents are playing on. So in all, you do see and you have a total of 64 people per battle, even if you only have, you know, you and three others on your grid. Uh, but what's different here is after a certain amount of time, or I think it's either a certain amount of time or after a certain number of blocks are cleared or some hybrid of the two, but at some point, a countdown begins. And this is kind of interestingly where it starts to borrow more from the likes of Fortnite or Apex Legends. Because unlike in the retro battle royales where you kind of keep to yourself and eliminate garbage, you know, eliminate others just through garbage blocks and bad guys, uh, Bomberman does retain the idea of the ever shrinking battlefield. So the countdown represents entering and then the length of the movement phase where you have a limited amount of time to walk freely between all the different grids all connected by tunnels, and kind of find yourself a new safe spot for the next round of battling. And some grids have shadows showing where you can stand without new blocks crushing you, because obviously, barman, you have to blow up blocks, so the blocks have to come back down. Um, and then there's some fields you go into, and the whole thing's just shadowed, and that means that's going to be one of the fields that's eliminated. Because again, like with real battle royales like Apex and uh, Fortnite, you are whittling down the battlefield. You're going from 16 of these individual grids to one grid. So grids do get phased out as you continue to do better. Um, so what's kind of cool about this is it requires you to actually strategize in a couple different ways because one is obviously just to make sure you don't end up on a grid that's eliminated. But the other is even um, within grids that live on past the elimination phase, you need to be strategic in where you stand. Like you don't want to end up in the same pocket as an opponent you don't want to obviously be crushed by the blocks. So it's not just a mad dash to a new spot, but a dash right up to the last second because you have to kind of move around other people and make sure you're in the clear of them and blocks and ready to go for the next round. And it also allows you to really get a sense of kind of like the larger player base that you're actually playing against because, you know, again, with the retro battle royales, um, there's, you know, they say there's 98 other people playing with you and some of those people do perform better than others and you can target some of them. But here, it's more like Fortnite or Apex where you're having more intimate battles where you actually see your opponent where you're doing one-on-one like bomb-to-bomb combat or gun-to-gun or whatever, you know, whatever it is. It's not just a little UI square with a line or something like in the other ones. You can actually see your opponent and you can actually rotate who your opponents are as you go from grid to grid. And it just makes it feel like, you know, you actually have real people you're playing against and kind of captures the Battle Royale vibe of the the other guys more than the retro guys. Um, the other thing that adds to strategy is that they have uh, various characters you can play as. And, you know, we were talking about crossovers, but um, it's not just the characters look different. I mean, the, Konami's clearly at some point decided Barman's their Mario Kart or their Smash Bros where they just throw all their characters in. So they have, like, Snake and Richter and Pyramid Head. Um but their stats and their abilities actually do vary. It's not like old Bomberman where everyone's basically the same. Uh, you, you know, even within the Bomber people, like the seven different cars, they all have different abilities. So some maybe start being able Don't to run they faster. they actually added ability to the Bomber people? Yeah, yeah. So like some may have was... more bombs at the start, but then move slower. Some may have fewer bombs, but move faster. Barman's okay, just so they're offset by, by some Yeah, they're all kind of offset. Okay. Um, 
Well, that's but, cool. At least that's something. Because before, I think only the the non-bomber people, like, I know Richter still had his whip, and there was, like, a jet dude that could fly across. And those like, live on. And those live on. So, like, you mentioned Richter's whip. There's, like, Alucard. Or Pyramid Head and the one Hikeo weird thing. Yeah. yeah, or, like, Alucard has, you know, the ability to, to turn to smoke and dodge a bomb by basically going right through it. Yeah, it's it's... And and for the most part, they're well balanced and don't like drastically alter the experience, you know, because everyone does have an ability beyond the, the core seven. Um, and there are still regular power ups that pop up as you play. So even if you start with you know more bombs and less speed or whatever, uh, you can augment yourself as you go, albeit at the whim of the random item generator. But um, there is a concern here in that everyone except the seven bomber people are behind a paywall. So uh, that Whoa. means so are their abilities. So unless – well, it doesn't seem to be a huge issue yet. You know, uh, Unless they um, keep doing this thing they're doing right now where they rotate in characters, you're basically running the clock until people are going to win just because they paid, like a pay-to-win scheme. Because at some point, if they keep adding characters and keep doing stuff, they're got, something's going to break the game on some level or be too overpowered. I mean some people think Pyramid Head, to your point, Andrew, about the one-hit KO – uh, I was reading online and some people are saying, oh yeah, he's way too powerful. And they're like, no, 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 you just use this other character and that's okay. And they're both paid characters. One right now, however, happens to be free because one thing they're doing is kind of interesting is um, it's a flat $10 to unlock all the characters along with some special modes. Um, you can get you know, a standard battle mode if you want to do normal bomberman. You can do a custom battle mode that lets you set anything from normal bomberman up to the 64 battle royale. Uh, there's a couple alternate takes on gameplay like team mode and this crystal collecting thing. Um but again, the characters are behind it. So when you buy that ten bucks, all the characters are there. And if you don't buy that ten bucks, you get I think two per season, and season is ninety days in Barman that are available to you for free. And then they swap those out and swap in different ones. So they try and give you a sense that things are balanced. But at some point, I just keep thinking, you know, they're gonna yank someone behind a paywall and put someone back that doesn't have a matching skill, and then the free part of the game kind of just breaks. Like the balance could just be way out of whack. But right now, so far, I haven't had too much trouble getting to like the upper half, the top third, you know, without without paying for anyone. Um, I think I maybe getting only to that part uh, speaks more to my skill and to a fault of the game's balancing that you know I didn't go beyond like the top third. But nonetheless, I don't feel like I'm at a disadvantage. I just feel like I'm me playing a video game. Take that what you will. Um, so it, it, I feel like a lot of this with Superman R is kind of similar to. Uh, Knockout City, actually, where it's going to be very wait and see. I mean, the game's only been out for a couple of weeks. Um, like, will characters become problematic? Will load times improve? Will the player base stick around? Like, it's it's all very up in the air right now. It's so early in the game's life. Um, but if you do have interest in it, if you like Barman, like, I'd recommend at least downloading it and trying it out. There, you know, the game itself is a clever riff on top of classic Barman. Like, the core gameplay is the same, but the the movement phase, the, the the shrinking of the arena selection, like it, it's kind of a cool twist on it. You know, it's it's uh, it's just a matter of how long will the experience I just told you about actually last. And I guess how long are you willing to wait for that experience to load? But if you're okay with those two thoughts, it's it's probably worth checking out. So yeah, that's Barman R. I feel like our I feel like our impressions this episode are just like these games right this minute, if you play today, are pretty cool, but what will they be in two months? I don't know. But that's I guess that's just how gaming is now. Like everything's a live service essentially. Um Yeah, and I mean with life far on earth being so limited, you really have to be careful with what you pick. Mm-hmm. So. At least the nice thing is on the news side, all the games that were announced and talked about um that we're gonna be covering are 
normal. They have a start. They have an end. You pay a flat rate. You get your game. So that that's kind of nice. Like they're old school, you could say. And, um, you know, this is kind of the start of the E3 wave. Um, so first up, I guess, is the first ever Sonic Central presentation, which gave a look in a very Nintendo Direct sort of way at what's happening with the Hedgehog uh, this year for his 30th anniversary. Did you guys watch? Do you have any favorite yeah, announcements? I, I did. I didn't watch it. What jumped out at you? Um, the bling. Yes. Thank you. The fact that like it needed like attention or something. It was just like, this is kind of came out of nowhere to me. Yeah. For those know. who haven't it's seen it, weird. we'll link to the presentation in the blog post. For those who haven't seen it, they announced, <laughs> I love how they phrase this for fans dialed into hip hop culture. They've teamed up with King ice to announce uh four diamond chain Sonic characters. So you can get Sonic knuckles, tails or shadow as bling that you wear for thousands of dollars. It is real. I feel, thousands of dollars. Wait, what? Aren't they thousands of dollars? They're diamonds. I don't know. I, I think I think they're no, more manageable because I think my brother's getting one. Yeah, because because oh, really? Elvis bought I think two of them. <laughs> Wait, he bought two of them. I was like, there's no way that he spent over two. All right, hang on. I know he price. loves Sonic, but there's no way that they're a thousand dollars. I'm checking the price. Uh, okay, maybe they're hundreds then. Maybe they're not real diamonds. Well, is that what you're telling me? Well, check it. I don't know. Maybe they're very tiny. I don't know. No, they look pretty decent size. Um, nothing like waiting for me to look something up on the internet while we record a podcast. Yeah, I, I actually can't find it. What I mean, besides that, I mean, first I thought like, oh, a concert. But then I'm like, oh, that's right. They're not going to have an actual concert right now. Yeah, it's it would have been cool thing. to like, have an opportunity to have a live one, especially to see, you know, Crush 40. But, right. Oh, it's like know. these things sell for like 100 Because I missed bucks. my chance. I'm looking at just King bucks? Ice's yeah. website, not the Sonic ones in particular, but just in general. You can get an MTV logo for like 120 bucks. Yeah, no, no way that they're gonna sell. I guess it's Sonic oh, they have Xbox ones. Yeah, I mean, I, I like to think you know, for the fans dialed into hip hop culture, they'd spend a pretty penny to get these. But I guess they made them affordable, so that's good. Um, Sonic and hip hop fans. Yeah. The the. Huge overlap in that audience. Oh, yeah. That Venn diagram is a fat Venn diagram. <laughs> um, it, it is funny, though. That was the first thing that jumped out. Uh, I mean, Kevin, what was your – did you have anything? Uh, Not really. I'll, I'll finally be able to play Sonic Colors, which is cool. Like, Yeah. Let, let's actually talk about that real quick. That's the best, the, the best Sonic game in the last couple of years. So, Yeah, like – I, it's considered I, one of the better Sonic games. No, it, it really is. I mean – last like 10 years. Angel, did you did you play Colors? Yeah, I, I beat it back in the – when it was out. Um, I really it's liked good, it. It's good, right? It really like, cool. I mean obviously – There's, there, there's it, some it's, it's good, pretty yeah. big issues with it, but I feel like it was at a point where – like, I don't know how comparable that is to Sonic Unleashed because it feels like at least in Sonic Unleashed, the – Warhog stages were not bad. They were just very not Sonic that people didn't like them that much more. Mm-hmm. In this case, um, you have, I guess what Sega was obsessed with at the time, like, you know, every Sonic game had to have 2D levels and 3D levels. Mm-hmm. And the 3D levels were awesome. The music was great. The visuals were great, especially for the Wii. But every other level had like, was like a 2D level, and those levels sucked. Like, I remember them fun. being that bad. I mean, they didn't feel like classic Sonic, but they were just, I don't know. Like, I, I remember, fine. like, the, because, like, usually 2D levels, um, 
have different physics with them because you know they're just designed differently mm-hmm. but it felt like they kept the momentum of 3d sonic right that's forced right. you to play it on a 2d plane so like picking up speed takes a long time especially when you have to make a short jump and he continues gaining speed while in the air so it's really easy to overshoot mm-hmm. luckily these these levels are incredibly short which is why like there's thing like just as they start to become really grating you beat them so it's like you know you're onto the fun levels again mm-hmm. so they're quite forgettable in that sense but they've always been a sticking point with me like the game would have been like perfect if it wasn't for these 2D levels. I, just I it that's felt like really it didn't strange. balance it out. That's really strange because I remember playing Sonic Colors on the, the, the either on the regular DS or the 3DS. Different and game. that game was super fun, and that was just all 2D. Yeah, it was a different. Oh no! Well, yeah, well, well, that was designed from the ground up to be 2D. Like that was like Sonic Rush. Like those were yeah. great. Yeah. So they yeah, had Sonic like, Team. Why not just? Do why not just like sort of port those? And so just yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know why they didn't make so weird. Because the thing is, like, some levels were entirely in 2D and had those really weird, like, heavy momentum physics attached to them. And other levels right. transitioned from 3D to 2D to 3D. So they're like, oh, we, I guess that we can't switch the physics on them midway through. But I almost feel like they just shut up. Like, right, the best parts of, of the 2D levels were when you were underwater. In terms of why they were yeah. different games, for some reason, at that point in time, Sega felt that the DS Sonics and the console Sonics had to be entirely separate priorities. That was the first time they actually bridged them because to Angel's point, Sonic Rush was the DS in Game Boy series, Sonic Rush, Sonic Advance, and um, then the consoles had, you know, Sonic with the werewolf or whatever. Unleashed, there we go. And uh, Colors and all that. And they did... So I guess, from what I remember at the time, Sonic Unleashed and the Were Sonic were so not well received that they tried to do a sort of soft reset of the brand with Sonic Colors. They actually delisted from stores some of the lesser Sonic games leading up to Colors. And it was weird because then the handheld one and the console one shared branding but they were still the separate tracks of game development which is why the DS one was like so normal so to speak compared to the console one. But I I mean yeah Angel now you mentioned I do remember the 2D ones being a little wonky but I actually... I remember when I first played Sonic Colors on the Wii, I kept making the comparison in my head that this was Sonic's answer to Mario Galaxy. I mean, it turned out in a way Sonic Lost World was actually also because they did the level design. But they're like, I the mean, structure... yeah, if anything, the answer to Mario Galaxy, that one's it. But, that, but what's yeah, funny is the structure and mechanics of color colors felt very at home next to Galaxy to me. Like, it... You know, the, it was more, set, more it Galaxy was, Two, if anything. Well, yeah, but I mean, it was set in space. Which I don't know if that was already out. Planets, the wisp power ups. You know, there was one that was literally a drill, like Mario's spin drill in Galaxy. Like the addition of a double jump for Sonic. Like there was, you know, for I think the first time in a console Sonic. So like there was enough there that I was like, oh, this is kind of Mario Galaxy e. And apparently that was intentional. Um, I think I remember at the time reading an interview that basically they looked at what. The expanded audience did with the Wii and played with Mario Galaxy. And they're like, well, we need to do that for Sonic so we can get those people to get into Sonic after we kind of botched the brand with Unleashed. So it's a very intentional thing to do things like the Wisps, uh, which actually I, I like the Wisps. I mean, you didn't really touch on Angel. Wait, but they I, thought that Unleashed was the game that tarnished the reputation of Sonic? The most recent one at the time. It was a downward spiral and Unleashed did not help is basically what they were. their concern was. Um, I like how that was, that was I mean, too far. Yeah, 2006. <laughs> yeah. Well... 
Uh, Unleash was wow. a, that. That's where they're like, okay, no, we yep. should probably reevaluate everything. Yep. Not I mean, Sonic to be fair, compared to a thick thing. No, it, it was Sonic turning into a were were hog. But um, but yeah, yeah I, I like like Angel. What do you think of the Wisps in general? Or I, I guess Kevin too in the DS one, were the Wisps used as real power ups, or were they just kind of there? Uh, no, you had to use them to traverse the levels. Like you absolutely had to use them. Right. Yeah. Okay. Because cool. I know that's how it was in the yeah, Wii they're one. Cool. It, it felt yeah. like, like, oh, like, Sega now has, like, a more solid answer to, like, it's like, you know, just power sonic ups. power-ups. Yeah. Cause, because before it was just, like, you know, you bust open TVs and you get fire or electricity, which, you know, he had power-ups before, but it seemed like he was always just limited to those, and this way he just has way more room for creativity. Yeah, like, what what yeah. I thought it did so well was it kept, you know, it did power-ups, but it kept them kind of organic to Sonic's gameplay like yeah they were there but if you think about it, it was they they made sense within the move fast kind of mayhem of the gameplay like one wisp you know gave you a super high jump another i think let you run up walls vertically like you stuck to them i seem to remember there's one that was a laser that you like pin pinballed yourself around which oh, yeah. is very much in the wheelhouse of sonic because like literally yells out laser yeah because like the, the yeah, i mean there's Sonic's... one where like you turn into a rocket ship there's one right, where, right. you literally turn into a black hole and all of them, like, kept the tenet of, like, momentum and essentially, you know, being inside this never-ending pinball machine. I mean, to your point, Angel, the 2D levels were so never-ending pinball machine, you'd fly off the stage. But, um, but yeah, it all felt like – it didn't feel like they were shoehorning Mario power-ups. It felt like they kind of sonicified Mario power-ups, which was kind of cool. So what's cool with the Ultimate Edition um, is that Sega's doing a bit more than just a port, and they're kind of, again – they're sort of mirroring what folks in the Nintendo bubble expect again from Switch ports. Because, uh, you know, Nintendo will now do like a streamlined system for those who may need help or wish to by gameplay. You know, like Toadette in Mario U Deluxe comes to mind. And for Colors Ultimate, which is the new HD edition, uh, Sega's going to introduce a new system in which you can grab a medallion per level and then f- never die. If you fall, Tails will pick you up and swoop you in. If you hit an enemy, you don't lose any coins, Tails will just pick you up and put you back down. Uh, so it's, they're, they're kind of you know, again, looking at what worked for ports and are kind of modernizing their game to match it. The more interesting one for us, who maybe don't want Tails to prevent us from ever dying, is uh, they're adding a new Wisp color, Jade, uh, that will let you pass through solid objects blocking your path, which again, you know, kind of stays true to the ethos of this game being all about momentum. So that that's promising to see. Is that the one they're yep. making a whole bunch of cartoons? Yeah, so that was the other thing they announced in the presentation, is they're doing these animated shorts leading into colors, Starring this new wisp, the jade-colored wisp, and um, yeah, it's about that character and what it can do to Sonic. But if you need something a little more like intense of a mode, they're also adding a rival rush in which you race against Metal Sonic for rewards. That's all it says. I like the press; they didn't specify. The press release says nothing. Um, so I don't know what that means, but part of me is thinking maybe it's like you go through existing levels, a la Shadow Mario or something like that, but more isolated. Maybe I don't know. Um, but yeah, they're doing all this for like. 40 bucks. That's it. The game's 40 bucks when it comes out on September 7th. They're not going to do a full price. That's not no. bad. I mean, I can't stress enough, like, how great that game looked on the Wii. And, I mean, also, like, the music. Like, damn, like, this has just some great, like, tracks. Like, um, Starlight Carnival. Damn. Planet With. Oh, my God. Um, Yeah, I played this game, like, on a modern console. Like, I, I really want to see what this looks like. I hope my... Well, obviously, my brother's going to be getting it. I am not kind of, like, you know... Um, I'm pretty sure I want to say I ended up 100%ing this game, so I don't really have a lot of drive to get it. But I definitely want to see mm-hmm. it in action. 
and I think my brother's gonna get it on PC so he could like bump it up as high as possible. Cause damn, I can imagine what that would look like. Oh, especially when Sonic like you know does his, I guess his mm-hmm. boost. Cause well, and to your point about definitely hitting a stride in that game. To what your to uh, the music point, Angel, they are actually going to be doing uh, some remixes and things like that in the game. Um, if you pay five dollars more, so forty five dollars, you get the game a week early. It's a digital exclusive. They get a week early. It comes with additional costumes. It comes with additional remixes. This is on top of the like movie costumes and stuff they're already putting in it. So they're like trying to turn this into a bigger celebration of Sonic for his 30th because it is the only actual Sonic release coming out this year for his 30th. I think COVID led to everything else they had planned being delayed. So this is the big game for Sonic's 30th is a port of a very solid Wii game. Um, although... If you wanted to play Sonic in different ways, uh, he – and this is one of my highlights as silly as it sounds in the presentation. He uh, has some weird crossovers in the Tokyo Olympics video game, the realistic one, and Two Point Hospital. Like these aren't you know standout announcements on their own, but they're just silly enough and Sega's Sega's embracing that silliness just enough that it kind of works. Because, like, what they could have done is, you know, how Mario was awkwardly shoved into NBA Street Volume 3 or SSX back in the GameCube days. But instead, they put Sonic costumes into the games, which is almost more absurd. So, like, there's a mascot costume out there running with real Olympians or, like, perhaps a better one. There's a Yeah, check out the trailer. Yeah. That looks so trippy that it's kind of funny because it almost looks yeah, realistic. Yeah, no, it does. It's he has kind realistic of fur. How visuals yeah. come out. I thought they were showing like like oh there's gonna be a Sonic costume in the actual Olympics like oh no this is it's crazy footage. and and my my personal but, favorite like that one looks absurd but my personal I mean YouTube compression helped a my, lot my please. favorite is um the hospital fully staffed with medical professionals who are choosing to dress up like Sonic and Amy and Knuckles like that is basically what Two Point Hospital is doing like you can just dress your doctors in these costumes and it's just so silly and it's even more silly when you stop to realize that like there had to be. Real people holding real meetings, probably multiple meetings throughout Sega to discuss how, like, okay, an actual Sonic in the Olympics won't make sense. So do that silly costume. But, you know, doctors dressing as Sonic? Well, that that makes total sense. Put that in two-point hospital. So, like, I don't know. It's I guess just props to Sega for really embracing the silliness of it all. I mean, it kind of goes back to, I think, the fans who are dialed into hip-hop culture with the Ice King chains. Like, you know, Sega, Nintendo would be like, no, 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 no. But Sega's like, sure, why not? Sonic can be whatever we want it to be. Let's just do it. So, like, that, I... You know, Sonic Colors is the big game of the 30th anniversary. At least Sega's letting the wacky stuff kind of live in parallel with it this year, which is nice to see. Um, But if you did want a new Sonic game, a new, brand new one, uh, you're going to have to wait a bit. Uh, Sega did this. Did you guys see this teaser for... The next Sonic. I mean, it was part of. Oh the yeah, game, that's, right? yeah, I forgot. Yeah, I forgot. We 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 saw the, the <laughs> thing. Phrase. What did you guys think of the <laughs> teaser? Like, you know, I was gonna tune now right before there. Well, one you more might thing. Have missed it because there's only seven seconds long and really teased absolutely nothing. But yeah, I mean, what, what was your guys' take on that? It really showed n- nothing. I mean, for for all big deal that I made for having seen it. Um, no, it doesn't miss anything. <laughs> it's just like, I mean, if anything, like I guess Sonic running through the woods. I'm sure. It wasn't like a nod or anything, but it just reminded me of, I guess, the beginning, the intro scene of Sonic Adventure mm. 1 where he's running through the woods. Like, I was just like, oh, it reminds me of that. But then he started, like, showing us a Kirby's, um, Kirby's Epic Yarn. No, not Kirby's Epic Yarn. 
Kirby's Canvas Curse kind of trailed and I'm like, wait, what's going and on? Then it, then, and then it flashed that weird... Be, like, drawing his path or something? And it flashed that weird symbol that was or, like Zap or Zop or Zoop or... I don't know what it said. Um... But yeah, I like it. It's yeah, it's like oh, Sega's getting weird. With well, Sonic it's weird because like so. So I'm gonna assume that you guys don't oh, know, know about this. So this yep. game was leaked back in January. I don't know if you guys know about mm-hmm. this. Uh, on 4chan, of all places. Uh, so in January, somebody posted up on on the video game board, did a focus test for a new Sonic game called Sonic Rangers, which uh. I mean, you might be thinking this 4chan, what validity does it have? But when people were data mining, uh, the Sonic website and the trailer, they were able to pull, uh, something official from Sega that actually called, uh, either like a, a press screenshot release. or the yeah. video itself. Sega in the press yeah, release Sonic for Rangers. Sonic Central accidentally put Sonic Rangers instead of the next Sonic or whatever. Like they did this teaser that amounted yeah, to Nintendo throwing so a logo on the screen. It's pretty much just confirmed. And then they just confirmed everything. Yeah. yeah. And then this, yeah, and then this is pretty much just all yep. confirmed. Which, yep. uh, based on what this person is saying about the game, seems cool, but they did put at the end that the game is incredibly rough, and he did not have a, or they did not have a fun time playing it. He's one of he's one of three leaks specifically, and they all reference each other, like they all stack on each other, like it's a pretty solid leak it right. sounds like and um yeah I, I saw this too kevin it uh it, it's funny because i was making the comparison of like colors was kind of sega like okay we need to do a mario galaxy sonic rangers is sega going we need to do breath of the wild which is like or we need or to do odyssey, odyssey which is like what no yeah. they're, they're actually the comparisons i'm seeing are more breath of the wild because it's apparently oh yeah it's, it's, it's open, open world it's open world yeah, so these are, you know, we'll see if this is true. Spoilers, spoilers for, for a Rangers. teaser that was no better than Nintendo flashing the Metroid logo for five seconds. Sorry, so, Angel. like that fan-made Sonic game, what was that one called? Sonic. It was pretty much just like one giant world that you're pretty much like running through and there's like sections of it that almost feel like a level. No, you're just like no, not even. So like apparently what it is is you're going through this world and then you're solving puzzles that are being compared to the Korok Seed puzzles from Breath of the Wild. But then you also fight robot bosses, and each time you be a robot boss, you get a Chaos Emerald. Collect all seven of those emeralds, turn into Super Sonic, and go beat the final boss. Sound familiar? It's Breath of the Wild. But wait, there's more. Uh, Rangers is also apparently going to have a skill tree and a level system, and you'll be able to learn new moves. One's apparently called a Spin Cycle. that lets you circle a group of enemies and attack them all, which means there are enemies just out in the open world that you can go and attack at your discretion. Breath of the Wild. Uh, there's also some sort of high-tech tie-in, which is in the teaser. There's a little purple pixelation here and there, kind of the path you're talking about, Angel. Uh, and that apparently, that purple pixelation will at times transport you into more regular just-keep-running levels, on you know, kind of like uh, Generations or even Colors. So it's Breath of the Wild with the temples replaced with regular Sonic levels, kind of, and the rest of it being puzzles, a la the Korok Seed puzzles. Supposedly. Thoughts? <laughs> it could, could be. be. Cool. It's intriguing. I mean, what do you think, Angel? That's, um, but I mean, when like we say that, that could literally apply to any Sonic game. Like, Sonic Unleashed? Uh, could yeah, be cool. that's the problem, like, yeah. 
Sonic and the and the Secret Rings could be cool. It's it the is. Sonic Cycle. It it, it is, and it's funny because like it's it, it's also Sonic Cycle in reverse. Because I'm like more skeptical now. Because like Sonic Adventure is a lot of fun, but the idea of Sonic, but also kind of like a 3D Mario, doesn't necessarily work on paper. And like honestly, you reference you know the Lost Rings. There's also the Black Knight on Wii. Both of those were well received, but on paper, the pitch of Sonic with a big old sword doesn't sound appealing, and yet people like that game so I, I'm kind of willing to almost do the opposite of the Sonic Cycle and skeptically hold out judgment <laughs> until they announce more versus getting excited up front only to be slowly grinded down but it's definitely it's interesting I could see why they would want this for 30th anniversary it's kind of this big new like look at what Sonic's doing next and COVID made them miss the boat but I, don't know. I mean Angel what's your read on it now that you kind of know what it might be uh-huh. Just going to do what I usually do for any Sonic game and continue to not really have an opinion on it until it's out. That's reasonable. Like, I don't really feel one way or the other about it. Um, maybe because of track records mm-hmm. or anything, whether they're being good or bad. Like, yeah, I don't know. I I just get excited about the idea of a Sonic game coming out, but that's kind of as far as it goes. I don't get any more excited or any less excited. It's just like... Oh, it's coming out? Alright, cool. You're, you've been worn down by the okay, SOG cycle enough to it. just sit back and wait. Smart man. Yeah, like I, I, can, yeah. I can just wait. Like, whatever. And, and to be... it'll, it'll be whatever it be. I mean, I looked forward to Sonic Forces as much as Sonic Oof. Colors. Where did you stand on Sonic which, Heroes? You know, was that the one that was pretty heavily panned? I, I think know, it like started Sonic going down. I think it was already out by the time I heard about it. I think the, what was the game after Sonic Heroes? I think the one after Sonic Heroes. That's where it was like Sonic uh, Air Riders, mm-hmm. Sonic Six. Sonic. Was it Sonic? Or not 06? Air Riders? Sonic Riders. Probably was. Or was it Unleashed? No, Unleashed. Um, it was. No, O Six came before Unleashed. Yeah, it was O Six because uh, Heroes was in like two thousand four or five on Game. It has to be O Six because yeah. yeah, yeah, Heroes was. Like, just give us Generations well, 2, kind of... man. Like, Generations, I thought, was, was a good game. That's what seems like what Sonic Forces was supposed yeah. to be. I was going to yeah. say, they kind of did. But then they had to put, like, a little extra oomph in it with Forces. Generations on 3DS is fun. Because, you know, you pretty much get just classic Sonic contrasted with Sonic Rush. And you know what's funny about all this is, like, Sega's starting to wise up. Like, they are still throwing a bone to purists. Like, so they announced, you know, Sonic Rangers or Sonic 2022, whatever you want to call it. They announced Sonic Colors. Neither of these are quite normal Sonic. And they're like, fine. You know what? Do you want a normal traditional experience for the anniversary? Well, this is delayed till next year too, but we're going to release Sonic Origins. And it's one, two, three and Knuckles and Sonic CD all in one package. Here you go. But I feel like, like, I feel like there's, yeah, well, one they up for, and it's just a part of me that, like, I wish they would look at what Square Enix is doing with Dragon Quest right now for its 35th anniversary and emulate that. What are they doing well, with Dragon Quest? Oh, well, Quest thank you right for now. asking the question. And um, I should preface this by saying I realize. I don't know. I didn't even know they were doing something until. Yeah, I no, they uh, they did a presentation. I, I, guess I can't say something. Sega should look at Square Enix because. Jason isn't just lying out of his. Pants I don't like usually you. lie. Thank you very much. But no, I. Um, what was I going to say? I don't usually yeah. lie. That's I don't usually comforting. lie. Yep, that's the poll quote for for this episode. But um, I was gonna say that I I should preface me saying Sega should look at Square Enix. Kind of hard considering Square Enix um happened after Sega's presentation, I believe, or no, not after, before. 
after. Whichever one makes it hard for them to look is my point. But um, the the thing that Sega's oh we also we also missed one oh what other yeah before we jump what uh well two well one specifically for me uh apparently a, a sequel to Judgment got announced oh yeah 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 and you could play off? Sonic Fighters in it Lost yeah. Judgment. And yeah, you could play the wonderful game. Which Sonic again is on. like the silly factor where Sega's just like, screw it, let's just have some fun with this. Like, I kind of appreciate that on some level, honestly. Like, they're not taking it so seriously to put Sonic Fighters, Sonic the Fighters in there and then hype it like it's something good. Like, props to them. Um, but yeah, so the, uh, Dragon Quest thing. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, they're doing a little of everything, and this is kind of what I want. Um, I kind of wish they could do a Sonic. Like, you want something new? Well, Dragon Quest Twelve was announced. It's subtitled The Flames of Fate. It's teased as being a more mature entry in the series with a shaking up battle system. All we got was a logo, so not much different than the Sonic Rangers tease in that regard. But it promised the potential of, you know, a, maybe a similarly big change. But what if you want something more traditional? Well, Square Enix is taking two approaches with that, and I, again, wish Sega would do this. They're both turning something that was not traditional Dragon Quest X, the MMO into a more traditional experience with a spin-off alternate version called Dragon Quest X Online, or sorry, Offline that switches it to a top-down perspective so kind of like old-school Dragon Quest but with new-school scenario and then they're doing a full remake of Dragon Quest 3 using the really awesome HD 2D engine or 2D HD, whichever way it goes that powers Octopath Traveler and the upcoming Project Triangle strategy and the trailer look it looks pretty good. Like Dragon Quest, the footage of Dragon Quest Three, it looks very pretty. Um, and the creator of Dragon Quest Yuji Horii is already hinting that one and two may also be remade in that similar style. So they're doing something totally new with the franchise of Twelve. They're doing newer ideas in the older format, and they're doing older ideas in a newer format. And I kind of wish Sega would just like look at Sonic and be like, why don't we just like make a new old Sonic like just I don't mean like Sonic Mania I mean like take the old Sonics and just maybe take the animation style of Mania not the game the animations and like apply that and make a cool HD version of Sonic 1, 2, 3 and Knuckles and Sonic CD instead of just porting over the same thing four times it seems like a missed opportunity and I realize money comes into play and dev resources and all that but just on the surface it, it seems like a missed opportunity that's just me I don't know how you guys feel that is just, just but I do have a question for you guys actually. Angel, you the Jason you, stands yes. alone. Angel, you you play Dragon Quest, or at least you did starting with eleven, right? Um So yeah. what what's your level that. of interest here with all this Dragon Quest happenings? Are you interested in twelve taking a more mature approach, whatever that means? Not really. I kinda I mean, I don't know. Uh, I I don't when anytime anyone throws the word mature, like what yeah, does that mean? That's a good like, question. Just gorier? Like I don't know. I mean, I felt like some of the themes oh, in oh. Dragon Quest Eleven were could have been argued as mature, or is it just like you know they're gonna do drugs, <laughs> do or drugs. Is gonna be sex involved, or something? <laughs> Hell like, yeah! Like I don't know. You don't need mature things to make right. a good story, so I don't. I don't know. It, it doesn't make me any more or less interested than I was. The part before. I'm curious. Like, I mean, just keep the awesome art style, the awesome music. I mean, the story is so, like, incredibly, I don't want to say the, the word generic, but it's, like, the most 
hero questy quest you could have ever quested on. But I like it for <laughs> that because it's kind of what you go into Dragon Quest expecting. Like I just expect like just give me the JRPGist story or just like a basic like hero story, hero's tale, and it is. Yeah, that's the thing I'm kind of curious and about like is like Dragon Quest is the most traditional RPG out there, right? Like they still keep it very true to itself. And if they're saying they're like ma- yeah, maybe the church chosen one, they're saying they're shaking up the objects, system, and I'm like, what is that even? How is it going real time? Is it gonna be like a Tales game? Is it like they added another menu option? Like I don't know what severity shaking up the battle system is for a franchise that has had the same battle system for essentially thirty five years. So I'm kind of intrigued to see what that means. I mean I've never really gotten oh into my God, Dragon Crystal Quest. Is horrible. Did you just drink some Sorry, Crystal Geyser? Like, I just had a drink of Crystal Geyser and oh man, <laughs> I literally feel worse than before I started drinking it. Like I, I Wow, you're, they're really giving Arrowhead a run for their money. Crystal, like, is Crystal Geyser the is is Crystal Geyser the same type of water that Arrowhead is? Is it just repackaged yeah, Arrowhead? They're both like natural spring water, and they both have like red tags. Well, clearly, yeah, clearly, if they have the same ink color on the outside, they're gonna taste the same on the inside. That's just how it goes. Yeah, but I don't know. I I think it's well, usually. I don't know. Spring I don't know water, water that that's is usually... red. That's bad. That's good, actually. Really? Yeah, I think anything that's what, spring water. What water has good. a red label. Well, I guess none. It's good. To your point. Yeah. Exactly. Touche. Yeah. I mean, I only know of two, and they're both terrible. Not even bad. <laughs> terrible. So. Where do you, um, Kevin, have you ever played Dragon Quest? Where do you stand on it? I mean, the most I've done is Rocket Slime, which was a tactical spin-off thing on DS back in the day. The most I've done when it comes to Dragon Quest is I bought Eleven on the PC. Sweet. Haven't touched it. <laughs> it was part of it was part of our uh, humble bundle. Uh, I see. So it was for the kids. Um Well that's that's a noble cause. But yeah, so I guess I guess Dragon Quest unlike Sonic where a lot say it's probably not too much for us to say at this point. Especially since they didn't announce anything. They barely showed anything. No game none of the games have a platform. There's a few others I didn't even mention. There's like a Joker spinoff, a, a Dragon Quest Joker spinoff called, um, I think it's Joker. Maybe it's Monsters, but it's called Treasures and you're treasure hunting. So something they get um, What? So I, I could have sworn you said nothing. Oh, no, was nothing announced. was announced for any of the games specifically. So no platforms were named. No released windows were named. All they said is it's going to be a global release, but they didn't say when that would be for any of them. Um, and if I were to put on my tinfoil hat here for a second, um, Mm-hmm. Oh God, here we go. So, Dragon Quest is the series that was announced for the NX before it was even a thing. So, if hypothetically, you know, Square Enix wanted to, let's say, enhance Dragon Quest 3's 2D HD on the Switch, or you know, debut footage of Dragon Quest 12 as a potential Switch first release, looking the best it can, it would certainly line up with past franchise behavior to, mm, I don't know, do it on the Switch Pro, wait for the Switch Pro to be announced, and release footage in tandem. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I mean, I'll readily admit I'm... I'm just saying I don't think it's... I'm, I'm just saying that... Oh, I don't no, think no, no. I'll readily admit all. in a heartbeat that I'm being ridiculous here and a little facetious. But I think, really, the, the, the narrative in the Nintendo world, if you move... Don't you mean very ridiculous and incredibly facetious? Sure, we'll go with that. But that's, what the, that's what's going on with the Nintendo fandom right now is this level of ridiculousness. Because for the past week or two, it's 
this ongoing when is will they won't they is it happening is it not that the switch pro announcement is reportedly imminent as in maybe by the time folks listen to this you know minutes after we post it online it already may be announced and it all stemmed from a bloomberg report uh that said nintendo may actually announce the switch pro before e3 to let companies show off the pro and the pro optimized games on their own schedule without spilling the beans for nintendo Schreier write that article? No, it was written by their insight. I forget it, his name. Because it no, was Jason. Was it? Well, hold on, Jason? hold on. I'm it was at, by I'm the at, other guy that's good at Bloomberg. There's a Japanese journalist whose name escapes me. He used to be the insider at Nintendo for Wall Street Journal. He jumped ship to Bloomberg about a year ago. He got the Switch Lite right. He got the Switch right. He got he gets pretty much everything right. He's like the Schreier of Japanese Nintendo circuit. Okay, well, if I don't if I don't see Schreier like backing he it up, I'm probably not gonna didn't not it. back it up. <laughs> he speculated on it from what I saw. Oh my but, god. Yeah, it's 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 hard to say. Who knows what's gonna happen? But what what but what set the fans in motion is so this rumor occurred and that or this report, rumor's a little harsh. This report occurred and then that was only further augmented by Nintendo then announcing its E three plans, which do remain on the usual Tuesday morning of E three and will be both a direct at nine AM and a deeper dive into games during a three hour treehouse live segment treehouse live segment right after but because Tuesday is now the last day of E3 instead of the first formal day as it was in the past, it means that literally every other company is going to do their thing before Nintendo instead of Nintendo being after the first parties and before a lot of the third parties. So probably coincidental. Probably doesn't mean anything, but when you pair it with the usual insiders that have somewhat decent track records are agreeing it could happen before E3, Bloomberg saying it could happen before E3, Nintendo going on to say the Direct is only about software – and international retailers listing TBD consoles in their systems that are supposed to be revealed or up for sale like this past week, this current week, the buzz really took off. And what's funny is that like we're at the point where there's not anything new about the Switch Pro itself to this story like at all. Like We suspected it would cost more than $300. It's reportedly costing more than $300. We thought it could come out later this year. Bloomberg saying September or October production's already underway, which, you know, is exciting, but not groundbreaking news. It's like, all right, yes, we know it's coming. And feature wise, like, we've done our wish list. We've heard the speculation. We know about 4K. Like, there's nothing here. But the timing, the idea that the Switch could, the Switch could be announced at like any minute, that's what I think set everyone off. And I'll be honest, my, myself included, like, I got caught up in the hype. In, in my case, I'm, I'm talking like, I set alerts for every Nintendo tweet. I shifted when I woke up. No, this is real. Oh I God. shifted when I woke up from um, – I usually get up around 7.45 in the morning, but Nintendo's earliest tweets they tend to do are at 7 a.m., so I have been getting up at 7 a.m. just in case. I'm not even kidding. Oh it's my bad. God, it's really dude. bad. Go I, outside. I, what, are, what are the kids saying? The, the kids are saying the touch grass. I, I, Go touch I grass. was just outside all weekend at Disneyland, and I'm still this – And did um, you touch any grass? No. Well, there's the there there lies the issue. But like you know, I've been in forum threads. Is there? Is, hold on. Is there? I, I haven't been to Disneyland in well over twenty years. Is there any place? Where, I don't like, know you about grass, grass actually. Or, or no, I don't know all, about like, grass, but they off. do have live uh, trees and bushes and shrubs. I don't think they have grass though. Now that you mention it, it is so weird. But yeah, like I've been. No, it's bad. Like I've been. Oh. You know. There, I haven't been as bad as people who look at a Nintendo tweet and say, oh, this is Nintendo trolling us. Like, they posted uh, Machi the 
Kiwi or whatever from Skyward Sword, and it's just like, say hi to Machi. And I was like, oh, Nintendo posted this today because, like, they they know we're paying attention because this is the day Switch Pro is going to be announced, and they're trolling us like they did with that Chibi Robo a decade ago. And I was like, no, I think you guys are just reading into this too much. But I will admit, I have shifted my sleep schedule. I <laughs> I had my girlfriend one morning roll over in bed and go, so did they announce the thing yet at, like, 7 in the morning? I'm like, no. And she's like, all right, and kind of rolled her eyes and went back to sleep. Like, that's the level I'm at here. I'm willing to admit it. Um, but that's... <laughs> Poor, poor woman. <laughs> but, but that's, to be fair, as I'm sitting here reading forum threads about like the theories of when the Switch Pro is going to be announced, she's sitting there reading Facebook groups about when the Taylor Swift re-releases of her re-recorded albums are coming out. And the fans there, if you think Switch fans are crazy, like if you think Nintendo fans are crazy about this stuff, they have the most, like it's insane the amount of like layers they go to. Like, oh, well, one time she was wearing this color, and this color, if you look at a numeric chart, is represented by this number. And this number, if you combine it with this other thing she did, is the date 613. So the new album must be coming out on June 13th. It's like, what? Like, it's it's next level. So don't worry, I'm in good company. But I am curious. Obviously, the Switch Pro thing's a little ridiculous. Do you guys get this way about anything? Like, has there been any sort of hype that you've just been consumed by to the point that, you know, it gets nonsensical? Or am I a unique snowflake? Uh, I, I get pretty hyped about stuff, but never to the point where I am... fall. If I'm hyped about something, I usually want to know as little as possible. Mm. Interesting. Okay. And Angel, I know you're the same way about that in that regard, right? Yeah, like, I'll, 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 I'll let my imagination run wild, but... I may or may not like necessarily start looking for things. Like surprisingly, like even for like Ninja Turtles stuff. I mean, damn, I don't know. I mean, I guess it would have to be, huh? I mean, I feel like I must have maybe for a Smash Brothers, but I don't know. I mean, like the only time that I could ever think of like, man, when am I ever like trying to keep up to date with something coming out? And it's only ever because you know getting the thing itself is really hard that I have to keep up with it. Like it's always purchasing related that I'm ever like getting on top mm-hmm. of something, not so much for like the release of new info because it just kind of comes when it comes. And I am very much in the mind of like, yeah, I'll just wait for them to announce it. Like this has been really annoying. I feel like maybe since like year two or three or whenever, like talks about switch pro coming out. Like, I feel like I've just been like already mm. over it. Like, yeah, like, I want one as much as the next person, just especially now that, like, my Switch is dying out. But, yeah, like, just, just wait. Like, I feel like every day that goes by that they just keep clamoring at it, like, they're eventually going to be right because it's eventually going to come. But it's not going to be because they, anyone predicted it. It's just because they've been saying it basically what feels like every day for, like, the last two or three years until it just came right. out. Like, it's eventually going to be true. Like, that's just how I feel about it. Like, I don't think any, I, I, I mean, and, or whether I care to even feel like, I feel like no one has any valid points to give out. No, none, none of these Bloomberg people, no one, they're just, I don't know, they're just making stuff as they go. Ooh, we gotta censor that. That's how angry Angel is. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're, they're definitely not making things up. I think Bloomberg can't afford to make things up. They're a financial institution that informs investors. 
and they do this and they follow market trends and they say it's going in production. The difference is they say, hey, it's going in production. It may come out before E3 just as reference to, hey, keep an eye on intense stock for reason X, Y, Z. The fans then go, well, they said before E3 it has to be happening now even though it was May and it wasn't supposed to be some sort of prediction. It's just them saying this thing's in motion. Prepare your stocks accordingly. And that's kind of the like – that's sort of the disconnect yeah. I think. Um, it's like when the – I think it's also just kind of an age thing like – I don't know. I think the older we get, the more, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's not like the same for everybody, but I kind of feel like my hobby started diversifying or even, you know, like my life just hasn't revolved around purely just Nintendo yeah. anymore that it almost feels almost like a relief when nothing is going on in one. So it's like, Oh, I can actually like focus on the other. Like whenever there isn't like a, a crazy wave of Ninja Turtle stuff coming out, I could look at some Godzilla stuff or Evangelion stuff or Ace Attorney stuff or what have you. So, I don't know. Maybe it's just easier to wait later on. Maybe there are, maybe we're just looking at all the, the early 20s, late teen mm-hmm. people that were just like us that, you know, were just intent. Well, you're still kind of like that. You literally just described Well, well yeah, like but I mean, I, I did appreciate, so, to your point, I did appreciate the lull of the past year. It, like, t- I mean, this week here, th- these next 10 days, like today, the day of recording was WWDC for Apple. There's a ton of news there. And then, like, Summer Game Fest is Thursday. And then, like, the presentations for E3 start on Saturday and Sunday and Monday and Tuesday. And it's, like, a lot. And I kind of miss the, like, easy breezy emptiness a little. Beautiful exactly. exactly. But, but, that, but, but that's the thing. Like, if it wasn't for, like, people going in an uproar over the Switch Pro thing, I feel like it'd be nice and quiet. At least I but on the same... Quiet. Yeah, there it really would, isn't it would. anything that's getting teased by them or anything. It's just rumors that are going crazy. That's like with the hype train mm-hmm. seems to be running on. And, and I do, I do think part of that is because there is just pent up hype in a way. If you think about, because there's been a year with, as I, we were just saying, with basically nothing. So people want something to grasp at, and so they're grasping. At, I mean, like we're, what we're ultimately talking about here, what we're circling around with this conversation is a half-step redesign of an existing system that will keep the same ecosystem of games and apps. Like the DSi didn't have this hype. The new 3DS XL didn't have this as hype. Far as, yeah, as far as we know. And yet, and again, I'm guilty of this, like people are way more interested in the Switch Pro. Like I, I thought up until this like rumor frenzy that my Switch looked great on my 4K TV. I said it here to you guys before, but now I'm giving up sleep, 45 minutes of sleep a day for the potential of a two minute video about a system that will cost me more money to do the same thing, but look slightly prettier. And I'm psyched for it. Like it's, it's definitely like the, the vacuum of news that is making this sort of self perpetuate, I think. Like, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Having a 4K Switch is pretty hype. And you are absolutely allowed to get hyped at it. I think where it gets a little weird is when you know this thing is in production, it's going to get announced, and Nintendo isn't throwing you a bone. So just live with that fact. Why are you micro... Why are you looking at every little tweet and and like, oh, maybe if we check out the file name, maybe that'll give give off a hint. Like, Nintendo, as far as I know, has never done any sort of like... Mm-hmm. alternate reality game we like you you remember yeah, those yeah. Like the smash brothers reveals all over yeah. again it's like oh his pink eye or whatever that sakurai sakurai had is a tea that kinky or the whole luigi chair thing that and, and to that point to that point yeah like nintendo isn't throwing any bones that they are going to just out of the nowhere sort of 
it, it's like Elgato released like a like a little video recently, and at the end they did tease something, and like right there I could understand being like, oh, this is gonna happen, it's gonna happen on this day, and well, I wonder what it could be, and Nintendo's not giving you any of that, and Nintendo has been very adamant about saying like, oh no, we're not gonna be making any half step models, even though right, we know right. they're obviously lying. So like, yeah. just live yeah. with that. Fact. It, it, it's your <laughs> like, point about like why? Why are people it's your so point about, crazy? Like, about uh, like augmented re- or not augmented? Like reality, you know? Yeah, augmented reality games. Um, thank you. Alternate, Alter, alternate, alternate. Like you know, as I make a comparison that like my girlfriend's in the same boat with the Taylor Swift stuff. Taylor Swift does that. Like she sets up games for the fans. Like Nintendo's not doing that. So like her doing it's like oh you're doing a fun scavenger hunt with fans. Which actually Lincoln Parties do all the time for their albums too, and they were fun. This is like, and I again am guilty of it, but this is just like absurdity for lack of a better term i think the funniest part about all this is that nintendo could potentially have a really interesting e3 showing of just software that in of itself would be you know worth getting excited for and yet no one's paying attention to it like kevin i know when we did the last um when we talked about the last direct you were saying you really wanted to see something from breath of the wild 2 and you thought nintendo should do something like feels like do you feel it's crucial for E3? Like, it feels like this would be the moment, right? Like, that seems more plausible and interesting. For in what, Breath of the Wild 2? Yeah, to, like, finally show it a little? Uh, yeah, I guess, at this point. Like, assuming... Everybody's assuming that that game's coming out this year, right? Yeah, who knows, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, why not? I mean, they did say that they... Didn't they say that they had more to show later on in the year? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel like this, this would probably be, be the perfect opportunity considering that they did show off breath of the wild no was that the first time that they showed it off they uh the first showed it at the game awards the very first game awards well but that wasn't breath of the wild that was just the teaser for it no that was that was the first gameplay demo oh really yeah the numa and miyamoto sitting in a room with a gamepad uh but yes then the following e3 in 2016 that it was the only game at e3 actually from Nintendo. When did the game actually get the title officially Breath of the Wild? Was that not during E3? I believe it was E3, yeah. Yeah, that's right. what I meant. Yeah, that's what you meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, like, they have that they could show. They still have the likes of Bayonetta 3. Um, there's, you know, there's rumors of a new Donkey Kong. Hal's been, Hal Lab's been teasing a new Kirby, saying, you know, they're that's what they're working on now. Like, maybe Pikmin 4 to ride the wave of interest from Last Fall's Pikmin 3 port, plus the upcoming Pikmin AR app. Like, there's stuff they could be doing that's interesting, but it feels like nobody is talking about Anna's possibilities in comparison to the system that does what your existing one already does, just a little crisper, which is kind of silly if you think about it. And I think what makes it even sillier, actually, is the hype also blinds folks to the fact that there's really no reason for the Switch Pro to happen right now. Like, if it ships in September, there's nothing that has to happen before E3 or even at E3 that would affect its launch. If you look back at timeframes from announcement to launch of the Switch Lite or any of the DS revisions, it's a couple months top, not not over three. And this feels especially true if you look at the latest MPD chart for April, which, once again, shows just how well the Switch is doing as is in its current iterations without a Pro, the console continues to be the top-selling system on the chart month after month. Chip shortages are obviously holding back some of the next-gen ones from doing as well, specifically PS5. Um, but fun fact, PS5, even in its sold-out, hard-to-find state, is still the fastest-selling console in U.S. history off unit sales alone. And Switch, month after month, is still exceeding whatever that record rate is. So, again, it's not like the Switch Pro has to happen right now. Like, this frenzy... 
you know, software further proving this point. It's chugging along too. A few days into the chart, new Pokemon Snap, I think like three days on it, was number three on the chart. Double the initial sales of the original Pokemon Snap 22 years ago, which was, as you may recall, in the peak of the 90s Pokemon craze. Monster Hunter 7, number uh, 7 on the top 10 in its second month. Had shipped 7 million copies worldwide. Mario Kart 8's number 10. Mario 3D World's number 13. Animal Crossing's number 15. Somehow there's enough lingering copies of Mario 3D All-Stars for it to be uh, number 16. Smash is 17. Pokemon Star Wars is 19. Breath of the Wild is 20. My point is, what you're looking at is this you know normal one-two punch of new releases and evergreens all in tandem, buoying the Switch as is without a pro so much that it is now in its fourth year on the market, still outpacing the fastest-selling new console in U.S. history. So again, like the the frenzy around, you know, the Switch. Like you kind of look at that and go, "Huh? Why do you need the Pro right now?" Like, sure, come the holidays, maybe the tide will turn with availability of next gen, hopefully being better, and buzz about 4K and all that. It's ideas we've talked about on the show before, but well, that's the thing. Right like, no now, one needs it, right? Like the only people yeah. who would, I would say, I mean, I guess you could even argue I don't need it. The only thing is that, like, I can barely play my Switch for an hour without it overheating now, because it feels like the fans just straight up died. And I've already tried opening it before and cleaning it, and that didn't really seem to do anything with for the noise. Like it was the same as it was before. But I'm at that point where it's like, do I just buy another one? Or because you know we are at like what year five of the Switch coming up or four. Four. Or yeah, we're we're in year four going on to five, yeah. Yeah, we're we're going on to year five. Like by this point, like Nintendo does do something, so it makes more sense just for me to wait for the next thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, so that's pretty much where I'm at. Like I feel like, you know, if you're in the market for a new one, you're better just waiting for whatever. And I think Unless, you know, it just kind in- of dies and I guess we'll I guess I'm not playing Smash Brothers. And I, I, I think, to your point, there's an element, not so much of that they don't want your Switch to die, but I think there is an element of Nintendo trying to, like, I mean, here's the deal. I was saying there's no reason for it, right? It could come up during the holidays. Bloomberg, again, like we were saying, it's not so much, is it being announced before E3, after E3, during E3? The point is, in the fall, or like in September, in October, these things will be ready if they need to be. And I think the question then becomes, like, okay, so why... If the Switch is doing fine, what would Nintendo gain from a Switch Pro? Like, what in the short term is the purpose of this thing now? Like, why is there enough of a rumor mill around it now that could actually happen sooner rather than later so people like you, Angel, can get your Switch fixed, essentially? And I think the answer actually kind of lies in large part in some action Nintendo's taking as of late. Like, do you guys remember after the last Direct how I was saying it felt like they were focusing on handheld-friendly releases in the short term to seemingly prime for big AAA graphical powerhouse blow- uh, blowouts, you know, to show off later. Like, now we get Metopia, now we get Famicom Detective Club, even Skyward Story HD, you know, gaining button support. But then Breath of the Wild 2 and Metroid Prime 4 and all that jazz is, like, down the line, years ahead, Bayonetta 3, you know, all that's kind of, like, more visually interesting, so they're saving it for later. Like, I think you guys remember we talked about that, right? Um, in the time since then, a few things have happened. And it's going to leave me to modify that thought. So first, Bloomberg, in that same report, made an interesting claim in their story that the Switch Pro will actually replace the regular Switch. So the lineup, while still kind of an iPhone-like thing in the way that it allows multiple tiers of device to have the same game library, um, 
is going to now consist of a budget option, the Switch Lite, something durable, affordable, kind of more entry level, and a pro device, something Nintendo can upcharge, make even more premium as its justification, and that will, for the first time, differentiate visually from what the other Switch can do. So that's number one. That's thing number one that happened. Second thing, Nintendo just announced the release dates of Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, as well as Pokemon Legends Arceus. Now, a lot can maybe be said about how weird it was that we didn't get a new trailer for either game or even a screenshot to go along with the dates. They just put the dates out there, which is very un-Nintendo. Normally, this time of year, going into E3, they do a Pokemon Presents. They didn't even do that. But what I wanted to focus on real quick was that the games come out three months apart. November 19th for Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, January 22nd for Legends. That's very close together, um, but the games themselves, they're pretty far apart in terms of design and implementation, right? Like, one's top-down, kind of in the vein of a handheld Pokemon. The other's a Breath of the Wild-esque, or, or should I say Sonic Rangers-esque uh, yeah, style say, you know, like, open-world game. We've been using everything as a Breath of the Wild game, just like everything was a Dark Souls game at some point. Yeah, so we'll, we'll say Sonic Rangers. It's the yeah, new, yeah, it's the new let's, water. Let's, let's get ahead of the curve <laughs> and be pioneers in this. Let's, let's, yeah, let's really... It's the new... And perhaps, depending on how Pokemon Legends runs, it really is going to be like the new Sonic Rangers. But, um, okay, so that's point number two. Point number three, and I'm, I'm promise these are going somewhere. This past week... I see what you did. Nintendo just released it. What? Uh, I said I see yes, what you yes. did. Because you see how yes, Sonic Rangers yes. so, runs or whatever. Yeah, yep. Uh, this, this past week, point number three, Nintendo just released a title you probably weren't expecting to publish, DC Superhero Girls Team Power. Power which uh, is based on the show of the same name. Kind of random and not relevant to my broader point here, but it's weirdly developed by the people who made Deadly Premonition 2, of all things. So that's total whiplash for that studio. But anyway, back on topic. Final point, point number four. Nintendo is opening up to the idea of a broader range of price points. Wait, hold up. That just blew my mind. Hold on. Are we... Yeah. Are we talking about the same... We're not talking about the same director, right? We're not talking about... Same studio. What's his name? Same studio. I always forget his name. He's, uh, I don't think it's the same director. I think it's the the, the workforce. Uh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. I don't think it's him. I could be wrong, but I know it's the Swery. same studio. Sorry, sixty five. Yeah, I don't think it's him, but it's the same. Uh, it's Toy Blocks Inc. or something like that. Who also did the the you know? It's kind of like how Sakurai has Sora, but then Namco Bandai actually does most of the work. Gotcha, that gotcha. Sort of thing. Toy Blocks. I think. Otherwise, that'd be insane if the dude who did Deadly Premonition, the mastermind of it, is like now. Oh, so a couple of companies DC worked on Premonition. That, that's why I got confused because Swery's uh, company is White Owls, and ah, I there's, see. There's yeah, there's three companies on it. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, is your mind pieced back together now? Yeah, now it makes sense. Cool, cool. All right, so final point. I promise these all connect. Point number four. I started saying Nintendo's opening up to the idea of bar range of price points because it used to be they charged for the most part fifty bucks or sixty bucks for a new release, and that was it. Now in this past month, we have Game Builder Garage. It's available for thirty dollars when it comes out next week. Famicom Detective Club or this week actually, Famicom Detective Club was thirty five bucks a pop for each version. Metopia is fifty bucks, and interestingly, Nintendo of America specifically just sent out surveys to select Nintendo account holders asking if they'd be willing to pay forty bucks for a brain training game presumably the brain age that came out on Switch in Japan and Europe and not here, or if they pay 50 bucks for a WarioWare game, a new WarioWare game, which I guess to pause here momentarily, it's kind of an odd question to ask someone if they pay for something they have no idea what content it contains, right? Like, am I crazy for being like, what? Well, how do you answer that if you don't know what's in it? 
Like, that seems really no, weird. Really. Like, do you... It, I don't know. They've done this kind of survey before, right? I could have sworn they asked us, like, would you pay X amount for this? And then a few weeks later, they did. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't Stuff know. Like, kind of I mean, for me, ask, like, though. that's what I'm saying. Like, for me, obviously, Waterware would be a no-brainer at any price because I love the game that much. So, but Maybe I'm thinking, pay, like, what, all right, it's been... 50 bucks the... for Game & Wario, and that one arguably had much less content than any yeah and like more but then you know go back a little further and like mega party games on the gamecube was like 40 bucks i think and you know so if they're gonna charge 50 i assume compared to the regular 30 dollar price for warioware proper game you know game warrior doesn't share the name but 30 dollars is what warioware's always been i assume if it's 50 that means you get the voice acting from gold you get the multiplayer type stuff from smooth moves and mega party games maybe some of the game and warrior multiplayer that doesn't require a gamepad comes in like that all sounds great at 50 but who knows i mean like do you is there is there a threshold where you know like if they say we're gonna make brain age Forty dollars, like, well, that's absurd because you you know there's only so much you can do with it. Like, I I don't know. It's it's a weird question, but yeah, it's more like show me what it should have or like give us a yeah. like, general idea. Because I mean, if you just go based off the title, it's almost kind of hard for me to justify for right? for a brain age. A warrior. Even weirders are not even calling it brain age. They're just like a or, brain training game, which tells you even less. Yeah, <laughs> it's like they're five bucks a pop on the iPhone. So yeah, I don't know. I, I feel. They need to give more details. but Yeah, it's weird. But anyway, my through line with all this and why I mentioned that is that everything I just rattled off boils down to a strategy we last saw Nintendo do successfully with the Wii and DS. And that is actually catering to different demographics. On those systems, they had a whole budget line of more casual-facing games with touch generations. They introduced demographic-specific titles like Style Savvy and... Perhaps questionably Super Princess Peach, where she used her emotions as powers, as you may recall. I guarantee that would not fly in the year 2021. Um, and they made games that were, you know, more handheld oriented on the DS, more console first on the Wii. The DS and Wii were different price points. They had kind of different pitches to the market. And in the early days of the Switch, there was this talking point I kept using of how they need to expand the footprint of the system. It starts with the core gamers, then it moves into like other genres, so maybe sports fans, shooter fans, casual gamers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So all those things I just rattled off, I'd argue what we're now seeing and why Nintendo is perhaps pushing out Switch Pro sooner rather than later. Even if we don't buy the announcements happening this month, it, the production's underway. That's pretty much confirmed. The reason I think they're doing it is I think the company is capitalizing on those footprints from four years ago finally existing, and they're entrenching... Uh, both those audiences now and creating new entry points for each of those kind of footprint buckets, demographics, whatever you want to call it. Like you can look at those girls who got into Animal Crossing and think, hey, there's an audience for a DC superheroes, a DC superhero girl game within that audience and vice versa. Someone may come in for that game and then buy Animal Crossing. They could look at the massive Switch Lite audience and say, you know, there's an opportunity to sell more games that are catered to that on-the-go mentality than the Switch's original MO of console games you play anywhere. Or better yet, they probably looked at that same audience and went, you know, people that are buying Switch Lights do like the same console games, but they're maybe on more of a budget. So, you know, that's a demographic that didn't really get catered to before. Nintendo's notorious for not dropping their prices. Even some Switch older, you know, some older Switch evergreens, like they're, they've come down like once or twice a year, but that's it. So including them, this audience, this budget-minded people through... You know, lower prices releases like WarioWare, hitting segments of the audience who won't pay 
$300 for a Switch, but maybe you want Brain Age. Like, you're not going to... The Touch Generations crowd got a DS Lite and Brain Age for 20 bucks, and they were set with that. They're not going to spend $300 and $60 to do it again. Um, like, I wouldn't even be surprised if we see in the next year that Switch, the, the Switch gets a Nintendo Selects line, like other platforms have, or maybe lesser-performing Evergreens, like... I don't know, ARMS or Kirby Star Allies or Mario Tennis Aces or maybe even Splatoon 2 to prime for Splatoon 3. Maybe those get budget prices and then they have kind of this Switch audience. I mean, this Switch Lite audience that's like sort of this separate-minded group and they can make more handheld-friendly stuff for them because it's a handheld first and they can also make budget stuff to kind of bridge them over. And then you look at what Pokemon's doing with the dates being, you know, three months apart and you say, and you, you could see them, like, you see what they're doing here because they can release a classic handheld style experience and a crazy new console one, one that probably is going to look best on a big old TV, maybe in 4K. And I bet they thought, like, you know, we we could do that mere months apart and hit different crowds and overlap those in some pretty big ways. Um, and, and frankly, like, if they're ever going to pick a time to stack Pokemon releases back-to-back, now's the time. Because, like, one, Pokemon Friends is at an all-time high. Pokemon Company has most profitable year ever last year, they just announced. Uh, the brand, like, Pokemon cards are selling in the, like, billions of units. I'm not even exaggerating. Billions of Pokemon cards are sold in 2020. It's, it's just, it's insanity. So if they were to pick a time to say, all right, well, let's cater to two audiences, one platform, but split it and do, you know, the handheld style game and kind of a console one and just target them slightly differently, this is the time to do it. And all this leads back to Switch Pro, which through the lens of, it's not just being about, you know, competing with the concept of other 4K consoles. It's about the demographics. It makes a lot more sense right now because it's Nintendo doubling down on that original core audience. The same way they're finding ways to squeeze more money out of someone maybe interested in only Switch Lite or in a budget system or in Pokemon or in girl games, for lack of a better term. They might see the Switch Pro as an opportunity to charge these core fans more give them fancier graphics, give them the impressions of meteor experiences, care to them with new, with like newer third-party ports. And, you know, because of the demographic buckets, they can make all this money. And because it's the Switch and it's still one platform at the end of the day, they don't have the risk of a drought. We in DS kept alternating which one had the drought any given year because they had only so many resources. Here, they can still kind of split their audiences into segments, but because it's all one platform at the end of the day, all roads lead back to Switch. It's still one library. It's still going to look like it has a ton of games coming out. So with that, I'm going to get off my soapbox. But that's my theory as to why the Switch Pro might happen, will happen sooner rather than later. It's not so much about Switch sales are slowing down. It's about Nintendo doubling down on every single type of demographic, the Switch Pro just being the core demographic versus you know actually trying to fix a problem or fix sales or something like that. So yeah, that, that was a long way to go to say that, but um, I, I'll now give you guys the floor if you have anything you want to talk about whatsoever or any thoughts on that. I'm willing to bet that Nintendo themselves doesn't put that much thought into, <laughs> into like everything I, uh, that you just said. Yeah, I, I like pretty, to think they do. Pretty amazing. I like, thank you. I like to think they do. And if they don't, Nintendo, uh, you, you some can help find me on Twitter on. at JSR7 and I take job offers via DM or public tweet. Need any help getting off of that soapbox? It's a little higher, and you have a bad knee. It's uh, I don't have a bad knee, but I'm good. I'm good, thank you. <laughs> Is there anything else though in the world of gaming you want to cover before we wrap this thing up? I think that's pretty much the episode. Unless you guys have anything else, I didn't mean to end with a with a monologue, but I had lots to um, say. 
Can't wait to learn more about the play date. Oh yeah! By the time this episode's up, the play date, the Nintendo system that isn't by Nintendo, will uh, have its first info out. Yeah. Yeah, That's like true. I mentioned to Jason, I think I'm I'm going through like tech withdrawal. So just because I haven't really burned any new piece of tech in a while, and yeah, it just needs something. See now, now you understand maybe the the hype, the reason I get up 45 minutes early for Switch Pro news that isn't happening is because I too am going through withdrawal, the news hype cycle withdrawal. Yeah, that is how it is. I mean, usually there is something to satiate it. And I mean, there is. I mean, there's this. Like, this will more than satisfy. Even just getting that info will probably be more than enough, just because it's been a while. Right. Like you said, almost two years, so. Yeah, no, just about two uh, two years and three weeks or something. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But we'll, we'll, maybe we'll give some thoughts on what we think of the uh, play date when we have our first ever random non-Tendo. That's Quarantine Chronicles, but not called Quarantine Chronicles, which is coming up this weekend on the 13th of June. Uh, Kevin, was there anything you wanted to mention this episode before we continue down the rabbit hole of wrapping up? Uh, uh, no. Cool. Okay. So, Random Nintendo, hosted by right there, Kevin, um, will be this Sunday. Uh, and then we'll have a random Nintendo jam-packed with all the E3 news from Nintendos and others. That's announcements, that's software, certainly, maybe hardware, probably not. Uh, but who knows what else. That'll come the following Sunday on June 20th. So right after the dust settles from E3 and we have time to sort of digest all the news. Uh, so to make sure you don't miss any of that, because it's, it's a lot of things, um, you could follow us on Twitter at Ram Nintendo. You can subscribe to us on whatever podcast app you have. Um, if you're listening to us on a podcast app, there's probably a button right above us that you can press if you haven't already. And if you're not on a podcast app, well, go download Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Stitcher or TuneIn or, or Pandora or iHeartRadio or any number of other ones, and you can find us there and listen to us there. We're also on YouTube at um, our name there is Ramtown.com if you prefer to just subscribe there and do it that way. Uh, individually, we're on Twitter at different names. <laughs> um, I'm JSR7. Angel is Wero, W-E-I-R-O underscore O. Kevin is KVN Gomi. Um, I'm sure we'll be saying some things about some things related to E3 over the next week. But you can also just sit back and wait to the episode if you don't want to have to hunt us all down. Uh, but with that, yeah, I guess everyone enjoy the video game Christmas. That is E3 and Summer Game Fest. And Kevin, I leave you with the final word. Right here, right now, I'm announcing the new Nintendo Switch Pro 399 on-store shelves in three days. Good luck. 